0: Well, according to Acts chapter 7, the dying words of Stephen, the first Christian martyr, were, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Polycarp, Bishop of Smyrna, who was killed as as an old man about 120 years after Jesus, said the same thing. A man in uh, 86, he said this, 86 years, I have served him and he never did me any wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me before he asked God to receive his spirit? Similar words were spoken uh, in the middle of the 16th century by Martin Luther and by his (laughs) great friend Philip Melanchthon when they were both martyred for their faith. And John Huss, you're getting a history lesson tonight. John Huss, who was burned at the stake a hundred years before the Reformation, condemned as a heretic for arguing that Christ alone is the head of the church, he echoed their words. When Huss was condemned by the Council of Constance in 1415, the bishop conducting the ceremony ended with these chilling words. And now we commit your soul to the devil. But Huss calmly replied, I commit my spirit into your hands, Lord Jesus Christ. To you I commend my spirit, which you have redeemed. You see, down through the ages, many godly men and women have committed their spirits into God's care on dying. But the one who did so first was jesus christ in the last of these seven seven sayings from the cross jesus said father into your hands i commit my spirit and when he had said this he breathed his last someone has described uh, those words like this that with these words christ swung open the door for his return home taking with him the spoils of victory. You see, Jesus had achieved what he set out to achieve. He had taken the punishment for for our sins, bearing in his own body God's righteous anger against them. And God had accepted Jesus' sacrifice, hadn't he? He had ripped from the top to the bottom that, that temple curtain that separated the people from the most Holy God showing that the way was now open for them to come for us to come to God and not be destroyed not be consumed by his anger if we come through Jesus by believing and trusting in him what is it what was it that Jesus said but no one comes to the father except through me he is the way he is the truth he is the life. And so his mission were being accomplished. We read here that Jesus called out with a loud voice and dismissed his spirit. He didn't die with a whisper, but he died with a loud voice. The controlled and the confident cry of someone whose work on earth was finished, who knew where he was going and who with satisfaction breathed his last. And I want you to have in your minds tonight whether you will be able to say something similar, whether when it comes to that day that you will be able to look back and know that your work on earth is finished, you know where you are going, and with satisfaction you can breathe your last. We're going to look at this passage this evening to see how we can learn to do that. The first thing I'd like us to see tonight is Jesus's control. His control. Sad, isn't it? Sad fact of, of modern life and probably not even necessarily modern life that some people choose to end their own lives either by suicide or assisted suicide, but only Jesus could dismiss his spirit. You see, when we die, our, our breath is taken <laughs> from us and our life ebbs away, but Jesus chose to breathe his final breath. Yes, he was weak, of course, physically from the, the loss of blood and all the, the rigors of, of, of uh, of of crucifixion, having been on the cross all these hours, let alone the, the, the spiritual agony that he had been through. But at the moment of his death, Jesus was strong. He dismissed his spirit and he terminated his earthly life. You see, we might, I hope we wouldn't, but we might, people, some do, Uh, choose don't they to take an overdose or to throw themselves in front of a train but only Jesus could dismiss his spirit. He said I have power to lay down my life and I have power to take it up again. You see the word when Jesus talks about here when he talks of committing or or commending his, his spirit literally means to place beside or, or to set before. If you think about it in the same way uh, that you might someone might set a meal uh, before you in a restaurant or in their home, it means to deposit or to entrust. And so here the idea is about committing something to God for safekeeping. And what is it that Jesus commits here in verse 46? Well it is his spirit. He says, he's not talking about the Holy Spirit, but he's talking about his own human spirit. The spirit is what distinguishes us from the animals. It's what uh, links us to God. Zechariah tells us that it's God who forms the spirit within us. It is the spirit that, 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 that animates human, human, the human body and, and gives us life. If you think of that, that vision of, of Ezekiel and his valley of, of dry bones and remember that God took him and, and showed him, didn't he, this, this, this valley full of all these dry and, and desiccated bones and they were dead and they were dry and they were, they were lifeless until God breathed his spirit into them. Even when they came together. Even when they were, they were formed into some sort of shape and there were, there were tendons and ligaments and muscles and flesh put on them. There was no life in them until God breathed his breath or his spirit into them. It is the spirit that gives life to our bodies. And when we die, it is the spirit that lives on. Our body goes into the ground or is burned or lost at sea or whatever happens, but our spirit lives on. <coughs> a couple of years ago, we did um, in church, in the Sunday mornings, we went through the, the children's catechism for the children, but for the adults as well. It's a great thing, a catechism, isn't it? And we, we reminded ourselves, and we taught the, the boys and girls in our big questions for little boys and girls that our body and our soul separate at death. You see, what happens to the soul depends on whether we're in a relationship with God or through Christ or, or not. The soul of the person who has trusted in Christ goes to be safe with God forever until that day of resurrection when it is reunited with the body while the soul of everyone else is lost forever. And in the sobering words of the children's catechism, it says, The souls of Christians go to heaven, and the souls of unbelievers go to hell. Here Jesus commits his spirit to his father for safe keeping. We read in John's Gospel. That Jesus gave up His Spirit, He voluntarily released it so that it might return to the Father. Remember how uh, Ecclesiastes, those those solemn and uh, interesting words, at the end, they tell us to remember our Creator before the, uh, the before the end, before the end of life, when the dust returns to the earth and the Spirit returns to God, who gave it. We talk, don't we, sometimes about giving up the ghost when we die. But the difference with Jesus is that he was in command of that process. Even in death, Jesus was still in control. And that is wonderful. But he's in control even in death, even over death. Not just his own death, but yours too. What a comfort that is for every believer when through the deep waters he calls you to go. When, like Christian in in Pilgrim's Progress, you get to the the end and you too have to cross that valley of the shadow and cross the, the river of death. Jesus is in control. Can I ask you, what are you in control of tonight? You know, we make plans, don't we? We make plans <coughs> for our lives, even simple plans, some of us, like like having a day out by the seaside, or having a picnic, and then the skies darken and the heavens open and the rain puts paid to our plans. Can you control the weather? Jesus can. Even the winds and the waves obey him, we're told. We make plans for the future. To go into such and such a town, says James, and spend a year there. Do a bit of business, perhaps, and we make some money. But then we discover a a lump in our bodies or a shadow on our brain. And the diagnosis and the scan rips all those plans to shreds. Can you control disease? Jesus can. He dismissed the fever in Peter's mother-in-law. He dried up the bleeding of the woman who'd been uh, bleeding for 12 years. He made the lame walk and the blind see, and he healed the demon-possessed man. We make plans, don't we, for when we will marry And when we will retire and what we will do in our retirement. And then the speeding car or the heart attack shatters those hopes and the mist that is our life vanishes and with it all our plans evaporate. Can you control death? Death. Jesus can. He chose when to be born and he chose when to die. He determined when he would breathe out his last breath. He dismissed his spirit. He laid down his life. And because he overcame death, he was able to take it up again on the third day. You see, Jesus was always and is always in control. I don't know what situations you're facing in church at the moment. I, <clears throat> I look at uh, our situation in Down at the moment and I see needs all around me. I see our members ageing and some of them visibly in front of me. I see, I see decay, I see some fear, I see some apprehension... Uh, I look outside the church, and it's not just inside the church, it's not just physical. I see marriages under strain, I see family breakup, I see issues and needs all around me. And we need to remind ourselves, don't we, that we would fall apart if we didn't know that Jesus is in control. Why should we pretend? What is the point of pretending? Like the man who wrote his poem Invictus, William Ernest Henley. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. You see, the fact of the matter is that we cannot control anything. And we need to have Jesus at the helm of our lives, controlling that if we are to avoid steering a pathway ourselves that only leads to our destruction. You don't know what a day will bring. You don't know whether you will wake up tomorrow. But if we know that Jesus is and was and will always be in control, we need him, even in death, even over death. Jesus is in control but as well as control in these words we also see a contrast don't we you see for 12 hours Jesus had been in the hands of men he talked about that often enough and he? he told his disciples how the son of man was going to be uh, delivered into the hands of men and they would they would kill him and on the third day he would be raised to life and and Jesus delivered himself up into their hands in Gethsemane remember he didn't run and he he didn't hide he didn't shy away from that day when they came to him with his with their clubs and their and their spears and he said to the soldiers he said who is it that you want And he told them to take him and to let his disciples go. But he was in their hands. He placed himself in their hands. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, told the crowds that it was by their wicked hands that Jesus had been crucified and killed. But now, at this point on the cross, all that is over and Jesus can place himself in, in the hands of his Father. See what the hands of men had done to him, but with what joy he can place himself into the Father's hands. It's to the Father once again in these words, isn't it, that Jesus addresses these words. It's interesting the last time he called him Father in these seven sayings was in that first saying on the cross, Father forgive them. For they do not know what they do. Since then, Jesus has spoken to the, to the <coughs> repentant dying criminal. He's spoken to Mary and, and to John. He's spoken to the crowd in, in general. Even, it could be argued, to, to, to heaven itself. In his cry, it is finished. The last time he spoke directly to the Father, he didn't call him Father, but he called him My God, My God. Because at that point it wasn't the beloved son talking to his heavenly father so much as sinful man representing us in all the ugliness of our sin. who was crying out in anguish before our holy God. But now all that is over. All that forsakenness is over. The communion with the father has been restored. And once again he can call him father. He commits his spirit into the Father's hands as the place of eternal security. It's the place where it will be safe. You see, we can have no confidence, can we, in the hands of men. No confidence at all in the hands of men. There is only safety, only security in the hands of the Father. Jesus promised, no one can snatch my sheep out of my father's hand. It is the one place of absolute security and safety. Jesus promised his disciples that one day he would come back and take them to be where he is. Where is that place that he is going to take his disciples with his heavenly father safe in his hands? You know, someone has commented that that Jesus didn't say to his father, receive my body, take care of my dust, but receive my spirit. You see, Jesus was content for other people to deal with his body. He was content for for Nicodemus and, and Joseph of Arimathea to take his body down from the cross and to place it in a tomb for those loyal men and those, those devoted women who, who loved him, to, to take his body and to embalm it in those, in those precious and expensive spices. He trusted his body to them, but his spirit he entrusted to God. Don't get me wrong, I'm not diminishing the body. The body is important, it's a a core uh, component of how God has made us, fearfully and wonderfully made us, and we are incomplete without the body. Even the spirits in heaven, we read, are naked without the body, and they long to be clothed with their resurrection body. I'm not dismissing or diminishing the body. We are body and soul, and we will be in heaven, body and soul. But as Jesus said... We're not to worry so much about our body as our soul. Because that is the more precious thing. In many ways, the body is is just a shell. The precious immortal soul is the jewel inside. A.W. Pink writes, Secure the jewel when the casket is broken. Secure the jewel When the casket is broken. How do we secure the jewel? How do we we ensure our soul's security? Well, like Jesus, by yielding ourselves to God. Submitting ourselves to God now. Because we can only commit our spirit to him when we die. If we have already committed it to him and ourselves to him. By trusting in Jesus now. Jesus here gave himself completely over to God. And we need to do the same. We need to yield ourselves to God. I think when I must have first preached this, Philip was asking me in the back when when I preached this. I can't remember. (laughs) A few years ago, but obviously our, our motto text for the year when I first preached this was this. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. You see, when we do what Jesus did, and when we do it now, then we will be able to say that motto text for ourselves. The fact of the matter is that Jesus was once in the hands of men. But one day, every single one of us here will be in his hands when he stands as judge of all the earth. And we need to know that we will be safe on that day because we have already committed ourselves into the hands of our Father in heaven by believing and trusting in the Son that he has sent. He was in the hands of men and he commended himself To the hands of his Father. There was a contrast, a sublime difference. Think of Huss's words No, no, I commit my spirit to the Lord Jesus Christ. There is control, there is contrast, and lastly, there is confidence. Confidence. Jesus has given his all for the Father in submission to his Father's will. John tells us that the Father sent the Son, and Isaiah tells us that it was the Father's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And Jesus embraced all that, didn't he? He gladly embraced all of that. He even went so far as to say, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. His bread and his butter was to do the will of his Father, even though it took him to the cross. And now he has finished. And as he says these final words, he confidently commits his spirit to that same Father who will surely receive him with open arms and surely vindicate his work by raising him to life again. You see, there is confidence in Jesus' words. Such confidence in his heavenly Father, that he was able to die well. Can you die well? We will die well if we have the same confidence that Jesus had. Spurgeon, I love Spurgeon and his stories. Spurgeon told the story of an old Christian woman, uh, a Christian woman that he knew Who died in the night but she must have known that the end was near and before before going to bed that night she had left by her bedside a poem that she had apparently had the strength to write just before she got ready for bed and she and she put her head on her pillow for the very last time and this is what she wrote since Jesus is mine I'll not fear undressing but gladly put off these garments of clay. To die in the Lord is a covenant blessing, since Jesus to glory through death led the way. She didn't fear getting ready for bed that night. That is the Christian hope, isn't it? To gladly put off these garments of clay, to have no fear of death, because we die in the Lord, knowing him, trusting him, having committed our lives to him day by day, so that we can confidently commit our spirit to him at the end. Stuart Olliot says that one of the one of the holiest men who ever walked the british isles was the scottish covenanter donald cargill even unbelievers looked to him and they could tell he was a different man an exceptional man they had great respect for his integrity for his honesty and for the sense of the presence of god that he took with him wherever he went and his only crime was that he believed christ should be the head of the church and not the king. But when he climbed the gallows in Edinburgh in 1689, I told you you were getting a history lesson tonight. When he climbed the gallows in 1689, he said this, The Lord knows I go on this ladder with less fear and perturbation of mind than ever I entered the pulpit to preach. It takes a preacher to understand that. And then looking out at the crowds, he said this. Farewell tears and farewell sin and farewell failure and farewell praying and believing. Welcome heaven and welcome Christ and welcome eternal life. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. What tremendous words they are. You see what power there is in the gospel that gives such peace and such confidence to dying men and women who though filled with a sense of their sin know that their sin is forgiven and they can look back confidently to the cross of Jesus. I think of my own church. I think of the dear saints when humanly speaking, their life on this earth is ebbing away, but they have a confidence in Christ. Farewell tears. Farewell sin. Farewell failure. Welcome heaven. Welcome Christ. Welcome eternal life. Jesus' words here In this last saying on the cross have been the words of hundreds and thousands of dying Christians ever since. And they can be your words too tonight. You might not have quite the eloquence of this man, but they can be your words too tonight. You see, you too, we too, can die well when we die in Christ. May God help us. May God help us to hear these words, to look at this cross, to see our Saviour bleeding and dying for us. And may we make him ours by trusting in him. May God bless his words.